Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. Thank you for that remarkable music, little taste of heaven. Well, a cappella, remarkable. Part of our story here is uh, I just want to acknowledge uh, Glenn DeLang's presence with us. He, he's playing injured this morning. And, and thank you. To the scripture, uh, sounds like my mic is cut out a little bit. Yeah. Should I take a uh, handheld? How's this? Is that better? Good. Our text of Scripture is from uh, the Gospel of Matthew, one of the parables that Jesus shared. And uh, I, this is from Matthew 22. I invite you to listen for God. As it comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, this is a text about heaven. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who've been invited, Look, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it. And they went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, maltreated them, and killed them. Well, the king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, burned their city, and then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came, came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Interesting to highlight that when he sent his slaves The second time, and saying the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy, he says, go, therefore. This is how the gospel of Matthew will end. Go, therefore. Baptizing those in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go. The great commission at the end of Matthew. This past summer... David Brooks, writing in the New York Times, called this the golden age of bailing. 
Bailing on commitments has become apparently an epidemic in the country. It's just so easy now to send a text or an email and say, so sorry, I'm going to flake on getting together tonight. I'm just sort of overwhelmed. There's this ethic of flexibility that has come with our smartphones, apparently, the kind of apps that we use and the ability to be flexible in any given moment, and it's increasing the ambiguity in our social relationships, the frame of our commitments to one another. If you ask somebody from the generation that is known as the greatest generation, grandparents and parents, it used to be when you would throw a party, you would send an invitation with an RSVP, and then people would actually respond to those RSVPs, and you would know who was coming to your party, who your guests were going to be. I know a family that has had an annual party every year. They would invite people to come, friends and family, and they couldn't get people to respond anymore. This was the kind of party where the host really wanted to have a name tag at the front door for everybody who was a guest. But concluded, we don't know how many are coming. We don't know who is coming. They stopped throwing the party. People don't respond anymore. It's the age of bailing. But apparently, bailing is an ancient art. According to this parable in Matthew's Gospel, Bailing on an invitation is nothing new. Here we have a king who's about to throw a party for his son and invites all the guests of the realm, all those you would expect to receive an invitation. It's a wedding reception, but it says they made light of it. They went away, one to his farm and another to his business. The kingdom of heaven can be compared to this for some reason. People bailing on an invitation from God to join the celebration. God the Father is throwing a party and calling all of us to the celebration for his son. But we keep finding excuses. Excuses that allow us to avoid responding that discount the importance of the invitation, and perhaps even in the end, being unprepared and improperly dressed for the occasion. Perhaps even excluded altogether. The guests who are expected to be at the party aren't there, and the most unlikely ones are the ones who are present for the festivities. What are we to make of this parable? Every time we come to this table, as we will later in the service, the Lord's Supper, communion, we look forward to that heavenly banquet to come, that great celebration that God the Father is throwing and will come from east and west and north and south to sit at table in the kingdom of God. And in John's gospel, Jesus, as he's teaching his disciples, says, I have said this to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. There's joy to come. And we're invited to the festivities. How will we respond? What will be our excuse?
Now, today, when a wedding is being planned, it's common to send out a save-the-date notice ahead of time through the mail or through an email. Very little information really in there other than to announce the marriage and the date and perhaps the city where it's going to take place, but you don't know much at all more than that. Then much closer to the event, you actually receive the invitation with all the necessary specifics. We'll ask you sometimes what you would like for an entree. Would you prefer the chicken or the beef or the fish? There's some information about how you should be appropriately attired for the occasion. There's a general announcement in the save the date. No response is necessary. But then there's a particular invitation that requires a response and an RSVP. Apparently, the kingdom of heaven is something like that. You can't just be passive and expect to arrive at the party. There's a general announcement that there is a banquet to be thrown, but you actually need to RSVP and prepare for the event and show up. Ten years ago, our eldest daughter, Molly, was engaged to be married, and the groom is from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We decided that since Many of our family are back in the Midwest, and his family is in Milwaukee. We decided to host the wedding in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Now, I have a brother who actually lives in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He and his family didn't come to the wedding, even though we moved the wedding to his neighborhood. I'm almost over it. (laughs) Ten years ago. Now... Granted, his son was playing baseball in Cooperstown, New York, at the uh, Hall of Fame Baseball Museum, so it was a tough choice. But you actually have to respond when you're invited to these events. Have you ever felt underdressed for an occasion? Ever showed up thinking it was going to be casual and it was anything but casual? The rules of etiquette in what to wear for particular events is kind of difficult, and it depends on what side of the country you're living on. I've grabbed an invitation to a wedding many times to try and figure out what the appropriate attire is. Now, I can remember when I was the dean of students at Princeton Seminary in the East Coast. It's different there, different culture. I was interviewing with a prospective student, and later in the evening, he was expected to join the faculty in the private dining room, and on the invitation, it said business attire. So this young student said, I have one question. What is business attire? He's from California. And I said, well, for gentlemen, it's usually a sport coat and tie. He said, thanks. I really, you know, in California... Business attire means socks. (laughs) Just different on this side of the country. When I was in junior high school, my best friend's family invited me to join them for an evening at the theater. Now, I was not used to going to the theater. My family didn't do that sort of thing. So I didn't know how to prepare. I was in junior high. I was a junior high boy. 
So my parents tried to assist me, and they placed a sport coat of my father on me. It was totally ill-fitting, ill-suited for the occasion. And, it, and the color was completely in contrast with the pants that I was wearing and the tie. And off I went, not knowing what I was getting into. But I could tell by the amusement of my friend's parents that something was definitely wrong with the way I was dressed. It was one of those first occasions as a young man that I realized, you know, my parents' advice is not always good. I better take this into my own hands in the future and dress myself. What were they thinking, sending me out like that? I don't know. There are all sorts of occasions and times when we have to prepare for the future. And many of those times we're unprepared. That's, I think, what this parable is driving at. Don't be unprepared. I have a friend who's 69 years old. He wishes he could retire, but he can't because he didn't save any money through the years of his employment. And so he has to continue to work. I know plenty of 90-year-olds who have no idea what they're going to do when their health begins to fail. They seem surprised in their 90s that the body doesn't work appropriately. The fact of the matter is, if you're hospitalized at some point in your life and you can't perform the five daily functions, you can't be released to go home. If you can't bathe yourself, dress yourself, feed yourself, transfer yourself from a chair or from a bed. And I always forget the last one. Um, Toilet. If you can't toilet yourself, you'll go to a nursing home if you haven't made plans. There are all sorts of ways that we are in denial about the future. And this parable seems to be driving at this point Don't be unprepared for this celebration to which you're invited by God the Father in honor of his Son. God is not passive in this parable in the least. God is the one who's throwing the party. God is the one who's inviting the guests. God is the one who's upset that nobody seems to be responding. God is sending servants out to invite others to attend. But instead, people keep bailing on the response. People continue to be unprepared for what is coming. Now, in theological language, this is known as the doctrine of election. It's clear from the parable, God does the inviting, God does the judging, God is the active one, but it does not leave us passive. We're invited to respond. And we respond every day of our lives to that invitation. John Calvin, the father of the Reformed faith and one of the people that we celebrate, one of the bright lights of the Reformation, and in this, the 500th year of the Reformation, we've talked about John Calvin in our 
course on the Reformation, and we'll celebrate John Calvin on Reformation Sunday on October 29th. That little part in the end of the parable where the king comes in and finds somebody who's ill-dressed for the occasion leads to a real question, what kind of clothing are we to be wearing? For John Calvin and many of the reformers, they read the Apostle Paul and they concluded this way. In Romans 13, 14, Paul writes, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Galatians 3.27, he writes, As many as you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. In other words, apart from being clothed with Christ, we stand judged before God. We don't want to be ill-suited or underdressed. For this occasion, we need to put on Christ. Many are invited, few are chosen. Many begin the journey of faith, but far fewer persevere to the end. We become distracted by endless number of things to do, things that seem important. I mean, the two examples in the parable went to his farm, went to his business. We can become even distracted by the work that occupies us. We take God's invitation too lightly. Maybe the real problem is that we're so well suited for this world in which we live that we become ill suited for the kingdom of heaven. Maybe if we clothe ourselves with Christ, we become a little more at odds with the culture around us. In Romans, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. Elsewhere in the Gospel of Matthew, he puts it this way, Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust can consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's your excuse for failing to prepare for the life to come? There's an invitation for you and me. God has elected us, invited us to become part of the kingdom of heaven. How will we respond today, tomorrow? Become part of the story. That's one way that you can respond. That's what our whole stewardship campaign has been about this year. You've read devotionals that others have written. You've perhaps watched the videos that have been released from other members and friends of the church who support our ministries because of their faith. We can put on Christ. We can share a portion of what God has given us 
as a way of preparing for the future to come, as a way of storing some treasure in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you what, if you want to know what my priorities are, there are only two things you need to look at, my calendar and my checkbook. Those two things will tell you where my priorities are in life. There's a story told about the church in the time of the Crusades. Often before soldiers would go off for the Crusades, they would be baptized. And it is said that many of those soldiers would take out their sword and hold it above the water when they went into the water. In other words, my sword is not baptized. I will use this sword to take human life, to do whatever I feel is appropriate. It's also been said that for us in the 21st century, when we're baptized, we often take our wallet and hold it above the water. I'm the Lord's body and soul, but not my wallet. We have an opportunity to participate in becoming a community of faith together, to be part of the story. Next week, you have an opportunity to bring your estimate of giving and to participate in the life of the church of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Not the general universal church, but the particular church. This one, this community. Hope you'll take advantage of that opportunity. Become part of the story. Let's live into that future, that wonderful, joyous future that God intends for his children. The invitation has been extended. Let us RSVP. Thanks be to God. Amen.